Welcome back once again, WNBA fans, to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. Excuse me, I'm sorry. The world-famous Skyhook Podcast. I am, as always, your co-host, Chris Pennant, here along with the founder, the originator, often imitated, never quite duplicated, and the man with the best sweater game in the city of Chicago, as he demonstrated to me last (laughs) night, James K. James, what's the word? Oh my God, Chris, you give me too much credit. That might be like the only good sweater I own. I'm not even going to lie. But it was great seeing you last night, man. I'm glad that you finally got to meet Maggie, which was long overdue. That was was fantastic. That was really fun. I'm really glad you both came out. Yeah, man. Had to see Little Joe's. It's such a cute little place you work at. And you got to stop by Little Joe's to see your man, Chris Pennant. What was it? Mondays through what? Uh, Mondays through Monday, uh, Monday from open to close, 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. I am I am the behind the bar, t- the bar at Little Joe's. And uh, I will say that James and I are plotting some ideas already for this upcoming season. So you might want to get familiar with Little Joe's Chicagoland Skyhook fans because you there's a chance you could see us there, not just in passing. We're doing a live show, months. man. We're, We're going to do it. a live show. It's going to happen. I'm so pumped. But dude, we have this free agency period that I've been, honestly, I've been pushing aside, not like, I feel like I've been trying to brace for the chaos that's going to happen this year. And Erica Wheeler tweeted out something about how free agency is going to be juicy this year. I think that's the word that she used. And that set off all the alarms in my head being like, oh my God, what's about to happen? And I'm like, Calm it down. It's going to be okay. You got to prepare for this podcast. So I'm excited, Chris, but it's going to be chaotic, man. It's going to be chaotic. There's going to be a lot. And that January moratorium is quickly approaching. Uh, we, I, I remarked to people close to me that it seemed like December hit and then Christmas happened a week later. And then New Year, obviously, was a week after that. And now it's WNBA season again. So if you thought that you had a lot of time off, you don't. You didn't. <laughs> it's it's coming back. So I, I hope you're ready. And the sky, the Chicago sky, I think, have the most pressing questions in the league uh, in terms of free agency, in terms of the WNBA offseason. And it's not just us saying that. Uh, M.A. Volpel at ESPN, I believe, said that in an article with Alexa Philippou and Kevin Pelton. So we're in the right. These, these are the team to watch. And we picked up our own free agency questions. We thought of what were the the most important things for the sky of the Chicago sky to consider in this free agency period. And so while we want to get to that, we want to give you a little bit of, of a primer on what they're facing in terms of the salary cap and their free agents. James, you got that. For sure, man. So right now the sky have $931,801 in salary cap space. Kalia Copper is the only veteran protected contract, and that is worth $205,000 after she signed a two-year extension after being cored last season by the Sky, which means they can no they can't core someone this season. So that will be an option for the Sky and free agency. But in terms of the rest of the contracts on the roster, Ruthie Hebert and Julie Aleman are both unprotected rookie scale contracts. While Dana Evans and Lee Rue both are on unprotected contracts in 2023, which means they can be released before the season and they won't count towards the salary cap. I'd be really surprised to see Dana Evans released, but it's just good to have 
that disclaimer at the top of this. Chris, are you ready to do these questions? Because, man, I was just so excited to talk to you about this last night, <laughs> but I tried to hold off on it. Um, you ready to go? I'm ready, man. I think we, we've got to start with with Courtney Vandersloot, right? She is the, the face of the franchise, with no disrespect to Candace Marie and Kalia Copper. And, and even James Wade, to some degree, Courtney, Courtney Vandersloot is, is the longest tenured Sky player on the roster. She has stuck with the team since she was drafted there. And she has become just a, a figure to rally around, whether we've seen Courtney at her most demure and whether we've seen Courtney at her most effusive. Uh, so it's, it's going to be an important period. She talked to other teams last season. And so, James, first question for you, what do you think? that the Sky are going to offer Courtney Vandersloot this free agency period? And what are their backup options if she decides to go elsewhere? It's one of the most important question, if not the most important question for the Sky heading into free agency this year, because just going through her, her hoop stats database, there's just not a lot of options on the open market to replace someone like Courtney Vandersloot, who is still playing at like peak level right now and i know that if you just look on the surface of like what her traditional stats were last year that might not seem like the case i just think that courtney is going to be one of the most sought after free agents and that the sky are going to need to really go after her in in a way that they're going to just have to offer her like a boatload of money for one thing i don't think she's going to be taking a pay cut necessarily i'd be really surprised if she got less than $200,000 this year. I think whatever she does, it's going to be a one-year deal just because I think having that control over the situation is going to be important for her and that flexibility for all WNBA players, especially given the new prioritization rule, that really becomes tricky with how players are probably viewing these contracts. But Chris, how much would you value Courtney at right now? Or even just like, how much do you think she's going to make in free agency? Even, even in the era of more positionless basketball, you can never have, honestly, I don't think you can, you can ever have too many distributors, people who know how to pass the ball and not just pass. Playmaking in terms of being able to put the ball in the right space at the right time for your, for your players whose primary objective is to put the ball in the basket. That's why the Sky got Emma Mieseman last year. That's why the Sky put a lot of emphasis on getting Candace Parker when they had the chance to. Because not only can those players score, their basketball IQ and, and passing savvy is such where they can create for their teammates. And Courtney Vandersloot's primary job with the Sky, you know, save for a, a few moments when she's the, the number one offensive option on the floor, has been to set teammates up to put the ball in the basket. So I think you have to place a high value on Courtney Vandersloot, not just what she means to the team and, and the city. I, mean, I do mean that, what she means to the team and the city, but what she brings to the team and their chances to win a championship. We watched Dana Evans, who we're going to talk about some more later in the show, uh, overseas in Turkey, and she is blossoming beautifully but I've noticed that her assist numbers are paling in comparison to her scoring output. And I think that's her, that's her main value right now. She is a scoring point guard. Um, she would probably be a combo guard if she was a few inches taller, but, or she's probably a combo guard now. She'd probably be a shooting guard if she was a few inches taller, a pure shooting guard. 
but I don't think the sky have that player on their roster uh, at the moment. That's that's fully in the fold. So you have to pay Courtney Vandersloot as much as you can within the salary cap. And she, she's going to command a max deal from somewhere else. If the sky don't retain her. And we, we talked about this a bit last night. She's not, I don't think in the in the mindset of taking a high hometown discount of, of any kind. No. So I I would put a lot of emphasis on keeping her because you have that continuity, you have that ability that you know versus somebody that you you know don't necessarily know what they're going to bring um, in terms of how things worked out uh, last year with Julianne. So I, I would I would put a lot of emphasis on bringing Courtney back. Um, you have a little room, you have a little bit of leverage in those negotiations, but I don't know how much you really have, especially given the fact that Courtney was was willing to go, was willing to at least talk to other teams last year, if not willing to go elsewhere. I think the Sky have no leverage, quite honestly, in this situation, because again, we're talking about someone who is arguably the best point guard in WNBA history, and that that is her ceiling by the time her career is all said and done. And again, she has these opportunities overseas right now. She remains unsigned. And she, again, she's just back at home. Her and Allie were at a Bulls game the other day with Steph Dolson celebrating her birthday. Shout out to Steph, but. And tell me, I do think me. though, didn't tell me she was in town. <laughs> I do think though, if Courtney is able to go overseas, that, if she puts herself in a situation, if that's something that she ends up doing this off season, that she has the the leverage of, okay, if you're telling me that I have to be here by a certain date for one thing, it's to the league. Like I can just stay here. And when it comes to the sky, it's just like, again, there's, there's going to be many teams going after her services. Now, whether it's realistic for some of those teams, I think that's a different question, but Seattle is not going to pinch pennies when they negotiate with Courtney Vandersloot because I do think that third ticket to get Brianna Stewart back into the fold is having someone like, hey, you can play with Courtney Vandersloot, who you've won championships with overseas. And again, the sky just don't have a lot of options here when it comes to filling her role. There's no way that you can completely replace Courtney Vandersloot's scoring or like her just her output in general but I kind of I just went through her hoop stats and just looking across the landscape of who could possibly replace Slute not in free agency necessarily but like just trade targets mm-hmm. do you think it's possible the sky could trade for Skylar Diggins Smith I know that's the big that's the easy name to me I think Alicia Gray is the one that I would be looking at more than anyone else. But do you think the Sky would, one, be interested in a Sky-Sky union? (laughs) Or do you feel like there's an urgency to, I don't know, keep, like, um, since we don't know what necessarily, how she's going to recover after giving birth, that the Sky would not be interested in taking on a huge salary like Skylar Diggins-Smith and... Again, just rolling the dice and potentially giving up assets for, again, someone who's an incredible basketball player. But you just there's a lot of questions around our situation. I guess the question is, how much would you have to pay her? 
because we were talking about Courtney Vanderson getting a max contract. And the max contract next year is just over $200,000. So you're already paying as um, Kalia Copper, excuse me, $205,000. So that's just under 40% about of the salary cap. Yeah, it's like, say, 45, it's like maybe like 30, 37 to 42% of the salary cap, something like that. And so you're going to bring in Skylar Diggins-Smith, who is going to get close to, if not, a, a max contract as oh, well. Oh, she has it. She so has it. She is making uh, $234,000. yeah. So a lot of way. Right. And it's even, even for a player like Skylar, who hasn't seen the top of the mountain quite yet, and who is... And I don't want to, I don't want to down her, but I, I don't know... What would the chemistry look like? What would the um, what would the situation be between her and Kalia Copper in terms of how do you how do you even out those two players on the floor together who do have similar games who are very fiery competitors? Um, you know, I think you get you get Skyler in, especially if you do bring back Candace Parker. But then again, you're talking about money there and four players eating up the majority of your salary. Then she, I think, would be like, no, so the grindstone, we're trying to win a championship here. But I, I, I don't know. It's something that brings a lot of questions for me because as a player, she is fantastic. She can go on a torrid pace for a chunk of the season, not just two or three games. She can go on a torrid scoring pace for a chunk of the season and really carry a team like what we've seen her do in the past with Phoenix. And she'd be coming out of, frankly, a toxic situation in Phoenix, notwithstanding the hopeful return of Brittany Grider this season, as she said she wants to, to have happen. But I don't know exactly how that would mesh. Alicia Gray, I think, would be a much better fit, even if it would be the same, um, the same question of money. Oh, it's, it's good for them. Like, I think she's going to make like $169,000 next year. And... You know, she's someone that's on one year, again, one more year left on that contract. She's been highly effective. A lot of the advanced numbers actually point to her being better than Enrique Gumbawale, which I think would shock some people. It's not by that much, but Alicia Gray is someone who can do so many things for you. And we're, I don't want to step too much on our next question or the a couple of questions from now, but if you can't replace Courtney Vandersloot outright, you probably can't replace. Allie Quigley outright either if she isn't on the sky next year. You kind of have to moneyball it almost and try to find value and try to find value in different ways to rebuild some of that production. And I think Alicia Gray can at least cut into some of Allie Quigley's production and Courtney Vandersloot's if they both weren't on the sky. But I just think that Alicia Gray would be a fantastic fit for them if they're unable to retain Sloot and Allie doesn't come back. But again, like free, like these free agents, man, like in terms of the top of the market, and again, I'm talking about just unrestricted free agents, Jordan Canada, Lexi Brown, Lindsay Allen, Mariah Jefferson, Crystal Dangerfield, Epiphany Prince. These aren't necessarily names that are going to excite you and think that they're going to, again, you, you downgrade from Vandersloot to one of these players, and that's not a knock on any of them. It's just Courtney is again, one of the greatest point guards of all time. And when you lose a player like that, having th those other names just aren't going to quite take you to the it's, next it's gonna level. Be, it's going to be somewhat of a downgrade. 
I honestly think just given her um, assist percentages last season, while you have Alicia Gray who can fill in any holes at the three-point line that you might lose, I think Mariah Jefferson had always been undervalued in Dallas. And so having that change of scenery would be nice for her again. Plus, she went to Minnesota, right? Um, oh, she tore it up. Slot. Yeah, so anytime that you can get a player off Minnesota that is good, is good <laughs> for me. Just because then they're not playing for the Lynx, you know? So getting get Mariah Jefferson to, like, anywhere other than, like, Las Vegas, and that's a good move. But I think Mariah Jefferson would be a good player to bring in. And, I mean, I think, what, you said Lexi Brown, and there was another name in there, I believe, that this guy had worked out as a point guard. Um, I might be wrong. I don't I mean Epiphany Prince played for the Sky, oh, yeah, all-star of the Sky. But again, like Epiphany Prince has an average four assists in a season ever. I mean, I think her highest output is like something like 3.5, 3.8 assists at one yeah, point. She's, she's always been a scorer. Pip has always been a scorer. So yeah. um, the thing with Mariah Jefferson, she had a great season last year, especially from the three-point line. She shot her highest percentage ever. And she also averaged just under five assists a game and over a steal a game. So you have somebody in your backcourt who could take over that time, not maybe not maybe not produce at the same level, but get things started. And you can still operate out of the post if you want with Candace or honestly, I think you can do some of that with Azure Stevens, too. But again, that's another player who we don't have. Um, is not a certainty of coming back to the sky yet, which well, is yeah. something we're going to delve into. Let's talk about it, Chris. I mean, the question that you had that I thought was really interesting is, should the sky actively pursue one more season of Candace or try to build towards the future with the number five pick in this year's draft, which the sky own because of that trade with Diamond to Shields with Phoenix that sent Julie Oliman to the sky. And yeah, they were able to get that pick. So where do, where do you stand with this one, man? I mean, we haven't. This is one that I don't think we really talked about as much. Do you do you lean one way or the other? It's so difficult because it, it's not only a question of a fairly good draft that is that is coming up in a couple of months, but uh, things that we haven't talked about but have been on everybody's lips since the really since the CBA was signed. The prioritization rule is going to affect uh, more than a few teams. Uh, the Sky are definitely one of them, having the international players that they have on their roster currently, Julie Alleman, and um, more importantly, Emma Mieseman. So if Emma does not come back, you lose one of those players who can operate in space pretty much anywhere on the floor and help you generate points. That simple. You know, that's that's an analytical way of looking at it, but there are value-added players who can you can put just about anywhere on the floor in the half court, and there's a high probability that they will generate points on for you on that possession. And Emma Meesman is one of those players. Candace Parker is one of those players. So you want to have one or both of those players back. If you don't get Emma back, you're looking at the draft. And the difference, I think, is more pronounced between one and three than uh, say below that four, five, six, and seven. And I still rule the fact that 
you know, as much as I, I think the one time I wanted to see Minnesota in the playoffs was last year when they had Sylvia Fowles for her last season, but also because I think that Matt Phoenix would not have made the playoffs and the sky had the chance to get in that lottery, which it was going to be a non-zero chance that they could have gotten the first pick, <laughs> which would have, I think, solved a lot of these questions. With the number five pick, you're looking at something, somebody, you know, a combination of maybe Ashley Jones, uh, Maddie Segrist, possibly Haley Jones, if she falls that far. I don't. I think that's an important thing to bring up, though, is that there's this wide range of differing opinions about where people should go at the top, and this is why it's different with the NBA versus the WNBA right, right. now. Because it's concrete. The intel is just so much different, and the path to the intel is much murkier on the W side than it is on the NBA side. And I I could see anyone dropping to five. Like I could see JC Sheldon drop like the going to five, even though I think a lot of people I've seen a lot of people have her in the top three, but this is all speculation. You know what I mean? We don't actually know what's in the minds of these GMs. Jane McWade took Katie Lou Samuelson, right? With the fourth pick or whatever it was like, I don't know. Um, the Indiana picked, Kaiser Godersack with the fourth pick. ESPN had her mocked in the third round. You know what I mean? We just don't have the same type of access when it comes to looking into the minds of GMs. So I think you're right, though, Chris. Like, there's just this wide spectrum of people could drop, quote-unquote, drop in this draft just because we don't know the values of each organization. And it's And this is the one time that I will not really bring up James Wade's draft history other than that last sentence, because I think there's a chance to get good value at any point in the top 10 for your teams now, you know, notwithstanding any teams that are, you know, maybe other than Las Vegas, who was not in the top 10. I think there's good value anywhere in those top 10 picks because these next, this year, the next year is going to be a really, really deep fucking draft. It just is. And the problem is you have injuries and multiple college teams. And I I think that also makes it hard for people to adequately um, analyze the talent coming out in a couple of months, you know, once March Madness is completed and the NCAA tournament is completed. um, The draft that I'm looking at on lines.com has Charisma Osborne at UCLA in the four slot. She just sprained her shoulder and she's out indefinitely. Uh, Diamond Miller was coming off that injury last season, but she has just rocketed pretty much to the number two spot. When I think a few months back, in, you know, when the summer was still going, we were talking about her even during the season. There's a possible pick for the sky. And when I put the head up uh, after the performance she had a couple of days ago, our friend Eric Nemchak said there's no chance that the sky are getting her. No chance. Um, Haley Jones has had a subpar season for Stanford. Ashley Jones has is, is, is like gone up and down. And the name you mentioned, J.C. Sheldon, on this draft, my draft I'm looking at, she's gone as far down as 16. And then she dropped five spots in the last however many days. Well, she's so been hurt, so I think that's probably the reason why. But you're right, but you're, though. But you're right. I mean, that was it. You're right. Like, there is... I don't want to comment on the state of affairs for that to be the case, but it's weird to have this much televised action and then for people to not be able to adequately and accurately predict based on need, fit, and ability 
which teams would be best served by picking which players. But that being said, the Sky are at a tipping point where they have to realize it. it's, I think it's something that you see in, this is going to come out of left field for a lot of people. It's something that you see in bowling and something that you see in darts. Uh, it, the way the bowling works is there's oil on the lanes. And when you're on television, just the lights from TV cameras, and that's a universal thing. If you've ever been under lights on a TV set, you know how hot it is. It pretty much dries up the oil on the lanes. The ball hooks based on how much oil is on the lane. It's going to slide to a certain point. And then when there's no oil, it's going to kind of catch and start rolling the way you want it. So when you watch bowling and you see players hooking the ball, it's just based on the physics of the bowling ball. And there's a point where there's transition, where the lanes are changing shape, where the best players realize what's happening and they change their approach. They literally change where and how they're throwing the ball, the speed and all of it. The sky are in a similar, uh, similar place where they have to realize, well, at a certain point, here's who we can keep, here's who we can't, and we have to catch up with not necessarily a changing landscape, but be able to keep our team contending. And that doesn't necessarily mean blowing it all the way up. It's just who do we keep who gives us the best chance to win in the future based on how we can negotiate with them and how much value they're going to command based on the market. Prioritization and a possible expansion play into that so heavily to make what seems like an easy question when you have Candace Parker, a tougher question when you can get somebody who could be the next great player in the draft. If the sky had gotten in the lottery, I would probably say you could part ways with Candace and still be okay going forward. But since Phoenix got in and Minnesota didn't, I think you have to go forward with Candace at the negotiating table. I know I took a yeah. long time to say that, no. <laughs> but I think no. you can. I think you have to go forward with Candace at the negotiating table. That said, I don't think they should give that pick up. If Candace says I'm coming back and I want to win another chip, and you have Kalia Copper on the roster already, you go for it. I think you just go for it, and I think a front court of Ka, CP, and Azrae, if they're like willing to give out the money that she's probably going to command on the open markets, put a pin on that for later. I think that's a really good, I mean, that's probably one of the best front courts in the league and you can win with that. And obviously then the question gets pointed to the backcourt, obviously, but if you feel that you can get those three in the front court, you have commitment from Candace, right? I just think you have to go for it. And you don't want to be the franchise the second franchise to give up Candace Parker and then she goes somewhere else and becomes successful and you end up looking like you were on the wrong end of history with that one. So <laughs> I do like, I know I'm not really sure at the number five pick if the sky are going to have their next building block. I mean, not building block. Cause I do think there is some value at that number five pick. I just mean, I don't know if, there's not another Aaliyah Boston at the available at the number five pick. Not necessarily again, this year. No. Going to change your franchise, right? I I think that you can take this number five pick and try to ship it off to try to go after the 2024 2025 class that are just going to be fantastic. So, Chris, let's move on to the next question because I do think yeah, let's just try to keep this rolling. Um, yeah, yeah, man. What do you think? Um, as we've talked about the sky's front court. One of the biggest names in free agency, not just for the sky, for the league, is Azaree Stevens. 
So what kind of contract do you think she'll command in the open market? And which team is the biggest threat to sign her away? The second part of this question is, I'm really excited to discuss that with you because I've had talks with people, not like in the league, but like just media friends. And it's been really crazy to see the different answers across the board with it. But in terms of trying to figure out what type of contract Azrae Stevens is going to get in free agency, there's a lot of examples from the past in the last just few years that have kind of dictated the market in terms of a price point. And I do think that she is going to get a raise from 140K. Like she's someone that was on a championship team. It was a starter on a championship team in 2021. She obviously took a little bit of a backseat last year for Candace and CP in terms of the starting and closing roles. But at the same time, like you look at someone like Cheyenne Parker, someone who averaged 11.8 points last year. Um, and honestly, the last few, like her last few years, even before she signed with Atlanta, she's been kind of at the same numbers. She's making 196K. Again, last year she averaged 11.8 points, 6.2 rebounds, shot 55.2% on two point shots. Like she's someone that's making $196,000. Look at Derek Hamby in 2021. After 2021, she signed that extension where she's going to make 169K. She averaged 11.6 points, 6.7 rebounds, shot 58.9% on two-point shots. And again, her block rate, again, kind of low, but her steal rate was at 70th percentile, according to her hoop stats. Fine. Then this gets complicated with Natalie Chanwa and Maisha Heinz-Allen, who are both valued differently within this league. But Natalie Chanwa at 160K, didn't put up the same numbers as Azra Stevens. Same thing. I mean, Maya Hines Allen, 170K. She averaged 12.2 points, 6.6 rebounds, shot 31.7% from three on 2.2 attempts before signing her extension. Azra has comparable numbers to all those players. And I mean, again, even just last year, 10.6 points, 36.2% from deep on 3.3 attempts per game. Her rebounding numbers were lower. That's just because CP and Emma and Ka, honestly, are the ones that are, you know, like attacking the boards just a little bit more vigorously. And they just have Azrae roaming the paint, erasing shots at the rim, being her number one priority. So I kind of think Azrae Stevens is going to get somewhere between $175,000 and $180,000 next year. And I know there's probably going to be. Some people saying when we look at her durability issues early on in her career, the the market is wide open for Azrae Stevens to find a team that's going to give her a multi-year contract at somewhere at that figure, if I had to guess. Not reporting anything, obviously, just talking this out with you. But in my overthinking this, trying to whittle this down to like what some of these past players like that are comparable to like her skill set and output, like that's really think- the subtitle of our of our podcast, though, is the overthinking show. So <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, but do you think Z one is gonna get a multi-year deal? And what numbers do you see her like what kind of annual number do you think she's going to get? I think I think you're right on in what we've seen over the past few seasons. 
really just in terms of Azure Stevens being able to command that type of contract and injury history kind of be damned at this point. It's she hasn't had any problems since she's been with the sky. That question was answered. And that was why they were able to get her in the first place because there had been some questions on injury history, right? Now there, there isn't, I don't, I don't think there is anymore. I don't, I don't think the teams can reliably say, well, we're concerned that Azra Stevens won't play 75% of games for us. Oh, they certainly can't say that she won't have an impact. Mm -hmm. uh, she played 30 games two seasons ago when they won the championship. She played over half the season in 2020 in that, you know, whatever you want to call it. And then she played all but one game last year. And this is a player who can start for you. Uh, yeah, but like she was still, it looked like had injury management through that first part of 2021. And in the second half, they kind of let her go a little bit more. Like I do, I mean, she has had injury problems with the sky a little bit. Like she missed 2020, like the second half a bit. Because, like, her and Diamond were out at the same time. That's so, true. Sorry. I will, like, so, I will say that. So, like, last year was truly the only year that she's had without any injuries really getting the way of her production since, I think, like, her second year with the Wings, I would say. And the only thing that I really saw that has fallen off with, with Z in any way, shape, or form was that her free throw percentage went down somewhat. Yeah. But we saw corner three Z... Uh, so many times work out for the sky and I, that's that's important in, in as basketball moves forward to have a big her size who can shoot uh from deep and then also rebound and and hit the offensive glass at the clip she does when she's really really going right so i think that that's a boon for teams to have and just in that sense i think that you command just under a, a max deal Ooh. It, 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 i think it depends on who who's asking I think it depends on who's really looking for it because there's some owners that we know are richer than others or are willing to spend more than others, or I, I guess have the capacity to spend more than others. I say, I guess, because if you have millionaire money to own a sports team, I'm going to assume that you should spend that money because you're obviously not putting it towards something else like philanthropy. When you have something like this and there's still some state of flux with the, with the, um, the CBA, not in terms of it itself, but just the discussion around it. Yeah. And hopefully with, you know, increased sponsorship, increased revenue. I think we're at a point where the, the salary cap could increase sooner rather than later in the next, you know, whenever the CBA does expire. And so teams would be willing to spend more now than than later honestly because for some reason that's what that's what happens before the salary cap increases then teams put out random random big money deals we're seeing with mlb this year and i wouldn't be surprised to see it here so if not a similar type of contract i think something in the range of like 170 to 180 190 yeah i do agree that like somewhere in that range makes sense for her just again given what some of these other players have received. And there's just going to be teams though, that need Azrae Stevens service. And I'm curious who ends up becoming the team that gives her the deal that she wants guarantees all of that money. Like 
that's what I'm interested in your answer. Like, who's that? Who's that team that's the biggest threat? You put it. You put it in the question, and then I was like, seeing shadows on the walls. Like, who's who's coming out of the woodwork to sign Z? So my first thought was Minnesota. I do think that Minnesota makes sense for her, given that there's a starting spot for her. She gets that opportunity to show what she can do, and. I mean, that's a strong organization in terms of facilities and everything. I think that's also the thing I'm thinking about with free agency more than this year, not even just the logical fit that she would have filling in for Sylvia Fowles. But again, like, who's going to also help her continue what, like the therapy that she's been going through physically to, like, make sure that she's still in the top form? And this guy did such a great job with her this year to put her in a position where she could succeed and stay on the floor. So I was thinking Minnesota, but then again, in the same vein, New York becomes really interesting as well. If they unload some of those unprotected contracts, but, and they just value, like they having like those physical bigs, I do think that that's something that they would enjoy. And also step Dolson's only on a one year, only has one year left in her deal. So that was one that Jackie Powell had brought up. Like, do you think they could go after, as Ray Stevens, and I'm like, that's an interesting one. I just, I don't know how much I love the fit between with her and Steph on the floor at the same time, necessarily. I think the I, one, can I just, uh, one oh, no, more that I think would be a disaster scenario for the Sky, and I hope it doesn't happen, because I know we have, our listeners are Sky fans. <laughs> I can't wait about to say this. Oh. <laughs> Las Vegas would be really interesting, because one I know right now you look at the cap and it's like, oh, there's no way Las Vegas could get Ezra Stevens at 170. Man, I do think that if they got rid of Raquana Williams, who again had a down year last year, um, she's an un- unprotected deal at 149K for this upcoming season. They, again, Kia Stokes is not on the books this year. She made $115,000 last year. She is not on the books. They could roll with. They still have a lot of young players on this roster, like Kirsten Bell, Ileana Repair. Like they have these really manageable contracts at the bottom. That and these are some players that can produce. I think Las Vegas would make a lot of sense for Ezra Stevens, as much as that would just be so heartbreaking for all the people in Skytown. The fit makes sense. The lifestyle and facilities make sense, and. That's a really fun team. Azrae is also a really like, you know, s- silly person. She's a really nice person. Like, I've been having a hard time distancing myself from that opinion. And I'm just curious if Las Vegas can step up and pry the, one of the best centers on the market away from one of their rivals. That would take a lot. Like, I know what winning does, what the team they had around does, what having a coach in there like Becky Hammond does, and an owner like Mark Davis who gives an absolute damn about the team does. It does a lot. However, just looking, unless I'm wrong, looking at their cap space, she would have to take a lot less money than what we assume that she would command on the open market with the players they have under salary for this season and next they're going to re-sign Asia Wilson. I would be, it would be a lightning strike of, of, a, of a scoop if they didn't re-sign her following this coming year when she's uh, listed as an you know, unrestricted free agent. There's got to be an extension coming for that. 
you know, there's got to be an extension coming for Asia at some point uh, this year, right? I would, I would assume so. But, oh, well, one of the reasons I didn't quite understand Asia Wilson, I think she signed like a two-year extension, if I'm not mistaken, two years ago. That didn't make sense to me is now Las Vegas now has two more years where they could core her instead of like if she had negotiated where she could just let the aces core her because they weren't going to trade Asia Wilson. Then she gives herself more flexibility on the back end of her life in the W or even just like when she reaches her prime because it wouldn't be crazy to me if 28, 29-year-old Asia Wilson improves as a basketball player even though she's incredible right now, you know, like as a, what, 26-year-old or whatever, like however old she is, it's like she'll be back with the Aces, but she can be cored, but I do think it's safe to assume that she will be in a Las Vegas Aces uniform for the foreseeable future. But the money does can they can make it work again if they get rid of Raquana Williams and they just pick up an undrafted free agent and just be like you're the one that's going to be like you're just going to sit on the bench or we're going to try to develop you. There's a lot of value right now with all these players that aren't going to make the W just because of how limited roster space is. I think there's a way to get Azrae Stevens like 160, 170k. But you're right, Chris. I don't think they can. They would be able to get to that 190 number if there's a team out there that's willing to give that to her. So I, I would be willing to go as, as far as saying that um, the Aces would would be hard pressed to sign just because I think that that's enough yeah. to keep her away from from there. And and I think she's enough of a competitor that competitor that she wouldn't necessarily want to go with that team because there is still so much um, between the sky and the aces, their fans, the team, uh, you know, what James Wade put out there. That was the team that the sky were competing with, even if they didn't end up meeting in the playoffs. And I don't think she's there at the point yet where it's like, well, we couldn't beat them. We might as well join them. I think that that's a team that, you know, the sky have a lot of questions, but they can still compete with on the basketball floor. They showed it last season, even if they only won one of those meetings. And I think that's there yet. I think that's there yet. The Lynx are a little bit different. They're not quite in that upper echelon of the league, and they have a lot of the similar questions facing them. So the Lynx is always, they're just always a threat to be able to get a player in like that because they have Cheryl Reed and because they still have some nice um, players to build around. So that I wouldn't be surprised, and they have a bit more flexibility to be able to do. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see the links come in there. Yeah. Well, that being said, now that we've talked about the horrors of Z possible, uh-huh. let's get to some more scary situations. Being will Allie Quigley retire, or will she come back for another season? This is important, I think, for Sky fans everywhere. You talked about that Bulls game that she and Courtney and Steph were at, and uh, Julia Poe made mention of the fact that Allie got name dropped on the on the Jumbotron and Courtney didn't, which is definitely important. But I think it also shows just how big of a star Allie Quigley is in this market. Um, you know, I don't want to say market. I don't want to put it in a business sense. It just shows how big of a star Allie Quigley is to Chicago and the Chicago land area. She was on she was on that same photo spread with Candace when they were coming out of high school. And even though their careers took you know, different directions to get to um, an intersecting point. Uh, 
Uh, Allie Quigley's the queen of the three-point contest, the most decorated All-Star Weekend competitor in, I think, the history of either the W or the NBA. It's incredible what she's been able to do. And for her to be a champion now, you know, that can never be taken away. And I think we've talked about Allie having reduced roles in each of the last two seasons. And each time she's had more of an impact in the season than we thought that she would have, at least in terms of minutes played. So is this it? Does Allie Quigley call it a career? Or does she come back for one more go around at the old trophy? I think that Allie Quigley is going to retire if I had to make a guess. Again, we're just chatting as friends and co-hosts of a podcast right now. I don't have any information on this, but you know, Andy Costable also reported, I think a couple weeks ago, that Allie still hasn't made a decision at this point. So I just have a really hard time seeing her back in a sky uniform or not. I don't, I want to clarify. I don't think she's going to play for anyone else. I've heard people be like, could she go to Seattle with Courtney? I just have a hard time seeing that at this point though. It wouldn't make sense given their relationship off the court as well. But look, man, Allie Quigley has nothing left to prove. Obviously that desire to compete is always going to be at the forefront of an athlete's mind. Doesn't matter what condition they're in. They're always going to have that desire to compete, and you only have so many years and time to do that. At the same time, Allie Quigley has fucking nothing to prove right now to herself, to anyone that's been a Sky fan or WNBA fan. I mean, what she did for the Sky organization, like, again, Courtney is, was like, has been honestly become the face of the franchise, given like people like, oh, wait. Yes, the soft-spoken one over there, and Ali is too, but like soft-spoken <laughs> Courtney Vandersloot is like actually one of the best point guards ever. You just look at what Ali did with, again, like winning six women of the year multiple times. She's a multi-time all-star. She, again, she's won the three-point contest four times, like you outlined before. Like, I just, and she's, a, and more importantly than anything else, she's a WNBA champion, right? She brought, a championship to the state where she grew up in. Obviously, if again, like last season makes sense where she it just won a championship, there's that option to go for another one. It, you have to go to see if you can do back to back. Like what that means to this city compared to what it does in other cities. Like if you can win back to back championships in basketball, that just has that uh, just another feeling that. Again, I just like I, I just feel that more here than I do in other places. But Ali Quigley has nothing to prove. She, the season's going to be 40 games this year. She gets hit off the ball all the time. I talk about I've talked about it a gazillion times on this podcast. But that is real work. She's coming off a hamstring injury from last year. Like Ali shouldn't put herself through this necessarily. As much as like she's such a nice person, anytime I interview her, she's so gracious and puts up with my dumb questions, but, and I would love to cover her next year, but I just don't think, I just, I can't envision her being on this team next year. And I think she should just go out, even though I know it's not the best note to go out on with game five of the semifinals, but you're not defined by your last moment. You're defined by the entirety of what you put out there over the course of your career. And she's one of the best stories in sports 
for where she was at, she shouldn't be back. But in terms of what's available to her at the next stage of her like of her life, but what do you think? I mean, I'm a downer right now. Do you have any faith that Ali <laughs> Quigley is going to be the Sky Uniform in 2023? You know, I think the um, I think everything that you said is is very, very, very true. When you play it as long. When you plied your trade as long as Ali Quigley has, and that's that's in the scope of a, of a sporting career, you really don't have to say anything else, uh, especially for what you've done. She made she was she played her way into a WNBA mainstay role. Uh, she played her way into a role of importance as not just a three point specialist, even though she is one of the best three-point shooters in the league's history. Uh, and she played her way into a championship. She became an integral part of this team where you couldn't talk about the Chicago Sky without talking about Allie Quigley, which was not certain at the beginning of her career, you know, at all. I mean, partially because the Sky weren't in the position that they got to once she got to the, once she got to the ball club, uh, but also because Allie wasn't in the position either she had to she had to build herself from that point and that's tough coming off of a really good high school and college career then you know also playing overseas multiple seasons when we didn't have when the money was not the same as it is now and you know at a certain point i think with player people like ali and courtney talked about they want to settle in and have kids yeah you know just have plants Maybe not the same flowers that um, Allie wanted, according to Courtney. You know, maybe some different flowers or whatever. I don't know what the deal was with those, but hey, those are those are disagreements that couples go through. Uh, but also, you know, it, you want to be knitting. You know, you want to be knitting and talking about the good times, and then maybe just hooping in the front in the front driveway or the backyard with said youngster that you have raised. And then you want to be in the stands being like, man, yeah, that's one of the best of all time. And now they're cheering on said youngster on the court or wherever, the swimming pool, the rugby pitch. You know, there's six million sports that their kids could play. But I'm, I'm in agreement. However, I know what type of competitor that she is just based on the fact that she's put it out there this long, based on, you know, my limited interactions with her from across an um, interview table. And I think that there's a non-zero chance that she could come back just because the Sky are still a championship contending team, depending on the decisions that come in. And Allie, again, is an integral part of that championship contention. So I've, I think it's low, but I think it's possible. Save 15, 20%. I know we already did our odds percentage episode earlier last year, but I think there's a possibility that she could come back and because she you know, try to run it back, you know, I just, it's, it's there. It's there. Shooting is one of the last things that leaves you as a player. So as long as Ali could get that shot off and run through some, run around some screens, maybe put up 16, 17 minutes a night, still average 10. I think if, once you get to that point where you're, if she's ever just coming on to be a three point threat, then that would be it. But I don't think she's at that point yet. No, she's in great shape still. And again, it was that hamstring that she was dealing with early on in the season that I think is probably the reason why she, I thought last season's shooting numbers, her being at 34% or something like that is more fluky than it is about her age or her decline as a basketball player. 
in 2020, she had, I think she was like right at the same mark. And then she had one of the best shooting seasons in WNBA history from a statistical standpoint the next season. And I hate to, I really, I really resent this phrase. I don't think people talk enough about Ali Quigley's season that year. Like, again, it's historical shit that we haven't seen in 25 years in the league at that point. And I think that she probably could do that still and everything, but you got to think about the salary too. She took a huge pay decrease last year in order to, again, try to run it back and win a championship. If the money isn't there, again, it's a grueling season. You're going, you're not getting chartered to games. You are away from your family. They've got two beautiful pups. Shout out to Gemini and Romeo. You don't, you don't want to be away from your family as much. And again, obviously winning two championships would be the icing on the cake, but that cake is pretty good without the icing as well for what Ali Quigley has achieved in her WNBA career. And I would love to cover her forever. I truly would. She is just, she's just so nice and I love Ali, but again, if we're just looking at this from an objective standpoint, I just, I would get why she'd want to call it a career. So I, like, I see it too. Yeah. That's one that I think of all the questions that we've answered here, I think that there's some certainty in the, the answers that we've had. And there's obviously only two options in that one. This is the one where I can see just some uncertainty going up to about as close as you could come to the beginning of the season. Yeah. We'll see. But Chris, I thought this was one of the best questions that we came up with. And this came from, yeah, I mean, this is important stuff too. I mean, you asked, will another investor come to Chicago or come into the fold with Chicago in 2023? Where do you stand with this? Because this is a big thing for the organization as we see teams invest more in their franchises. Kelsey Plum had an interview um, a few months back, I think maybe even earlier this month, because I started seeing some um, of the usual uh, dumbass YouTube video headlines, yeah. basically saying like, you know, this, why the WNBA is just off of its head or why this player in the WNBA is running her mouth or that or the other. And there's times where I used to watch those videos. These I've just clicked off and I don't know if this is good or bad, but I just like hit it and it's like, hey, don't show me this account again. But I think the fact that those said dumbasses are talking enough about this means that it's making news. It means that this is, this is the true emblem of, truly emblematic of no publicity is bad publicity. Even if people are questioning your worth, even if people are questioning your organization's worth, the sanctioning body's worth, investors and sponsors and companies who want to partner with the WNBA are really showing that they feel that it is a worthwhile investment opportunity. And there's something to be gained from hitching your wagon to the WNBA, whether you're an established company like uh, Nike and Jordan brand or uh, DoorDash, or whether you're a newer company these entities are coming on and putting their dollars in with the WNBA, which, you know, it was, we've, we've talked about from time to time and as fans know is not the future has not always been certain with them. Even now 
you know, the future is not necessarily certain with them. But I think the fact that people are banking on them as they would any random white dude with a random idea is a good sign. And we already talked about Laura Ricketts last year in the articles that uh, I believe both you and, and Annie had um, penned over the summer being a potential investor in the Chicago sky and with her being the only good rickets of note, <laughs> I think would be fantastic. And I think that there's a better than above average chance that she does know, make a, a bid to join the investment group. I don't think that there's, I don't see her or anybody buying the team outright over the next few years. Um, I don't think Michael Alter is going to let anyone buy the team outright. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. see him selling. I don't see him selling. He's not the most demonstrative guy. We saw at the championship parade, the championship rally. But I think that, you know, his, the team is important to him. It's certainly important to his brother, Harvey. Harvey was out here. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to deviate from our thing. But I got to talk about Harvey Alter going the fuck up at the championship rally and at the post game of game four. Because that was, oh, that was fun. But I, I don't see him selling the team even if he's not out front, he's not a Josiah, he's not a Mark Davis type uh, type of person. But any combination of him or Matthew Knowles, I, I don't see them selling. I think he does want to bring more people in, if um, if only to give them more flexibility with money and um, having that impending increases in the salary cap in the window. And Laura Ricketts would do a lot for that. And I also don't see her as someone who would be wanting to take over that mantle of being the, the person out front or cause any dissension behind the scenes. So I think that not only she would be somebody who would come in, I think it would be possible to see other investors come in in the next few seasons as the league does increase its stock um, and market share. So one thing that I talked with Michael about that he was – very direct with me about was how if anyone comes in, it's not going to be because of a lack of money. It's going to be that anyone like a Laura Ricketts, for example, would increase the value of the franchise. So I do think though that in terms of just 2023, man, the sky really should try to capitalize on this moment of having Candace Parker in town, having Kalia Copper in town, Vander Quiggs. Like if they're able to get everyone back on the roster back in wind trust that they should try to really go for a big investor just again to increase the value of the franchise and capitalize on this moment that i think is less desirable almost almost i mean i think that all these everyone should invest in the w and seeing kevin durant invest in pickleball instead of a WNBA team is a crime <laughs> But pickleball's pickleball's the fan of the day right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, I just think that this is a moment, though, for the sky to be able to capitalize on all that they've achieved over the last few seasons, and uh, there's been consistent media coverage of the sky. I'd say, like from the Sun Times, that's been super popular to make it to this point where there's talk about the sky across the board and hopefully through this podcast the people uh that you know the talk around town people know who the sky are and as long as that's there i think adding investors is just a really smart idea and the value of the franchise is extremely high right now and adding to it like you don't want to when you're at the 
close to like the apex of what your value is, at least in the sense the sky became a franchise in 06, 07. It's like, this is the apex of their value since then. Got to capitalize on it, in my opinion. But um, I agree. So let's wrap it up with this question, Chris, because again, this is a great one from you. Who is most key to the sky's future other than Candice, Ali, or Courtney? You can go in so many directions with this, but let's hear it. Who was the who came to mind when you put this question together? Uh, we we've talked a lot about Azrae Stevens and Emma Mieseman, uh Dana Evans. One person we obviously we honestly haven't mentioned yet is Rebecca Gardner, and I I mentioned her just because not I don't think she's necessarily more important than those two names or those three names, but because she provided so much to the sky from a defensive and offensive standpoint. Um, there was the always, the future is tough to say. I, I think it's tough to say, but she's only 31. You know, that has a long, there, there is some, there is time left for Rebecca Gardner to make a significant impact in the WNBA. Yeah. And I at least wanted to put her in there because we hadn't yet. And because I, I don't want her to be overlooked in this free agency period by, by anybody who follows the team. I I think there's a chance for that to happen just because you have the bright light shining of Candace and Allie and Courtney and Z in this period. And Rebecca Gardner finished off a lot of games for the sky when at the beginning of the season, hardly anybody knew her name. So I think that that's just really important to know. That being said, I think Azaree Stevens is the most important person, even over even even over Emma Meesman. And Khan? Did I not put Khan there? I didn't I, put Khan. Candace, I, I should have put Khan there. I should have put the obvious answer. I, I think I wanted yeah, to yeah. put three. I think I wanted to put three names just because of the rule of three. No. Um, <laughs> it's, it's definitely Kalia Copper if I don't include her with the first four. If I do, then I think it's if I have Candace, Allie, Courtney, and Ka, it's like, because that's obvious. It's got to be Z. I think it's got to be Z. I think there's just, with the prioritization rule, I don't think Emma comes back, which sucks. It just really yeah. sucks for the, for the fans and for the team to only get one season of Emma Mieseman because she didn't do as well as she could have. She didn't play as well as she could have this year. And that's available to her to have a, an even better season in a Sky uniform. Hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong. Honestly, I really hope that I'm wrong on that. But I, I don't necessarily see it happening. So I think keeping Z is a high priority because of what she can offer to the team, because of how competitive she is, how outspoken she is, how forthright she is. And I think she's a player like Cheyenne Parker, not necessarily as demonstrative, but willing to go to the mattresses for the squad at any time if somebody tries to, if somebody tries to pump her. If Kyle's not on the floor then Z's going to step up and get somebody's face. And that's something that you need to have. Aside from all of the things that she can do as a basketball player. Yeah, I think that Z would be the other person with this. Her and Ka are kind of at that same point in terms of their growth as players. Like, I think like Z's like 26 or something like that. And Ka is 28, so... They're kind of growing kind of at the same time. And if you're going to build a foundation for the future, it's like those two in the front court is a really good starting point. And 
We already talked about it, but we don't know what's going to happen with this number five pick. We don't know if something crazy like Diamond Miller falling to the fifth pick, which won't happen because she's too fucking good. But um, it, then you have another piece to add. I think it that looks more attractive as a basketball team to learn talent and convince people to come to your team if you have this foundation of Kalia Copper and Azrae Stevens and maybe whoever the number five pick ends up being if this guy don't move that pick, which I think is a possibility. But I kind of think that, yeah, Azrae Stevens is a really big part of the sky's future. And I hope they, I really do hope they're able to bring her back. Because again, just another great person, someone who I think took on more of a leadership role this year based on what I saw in practice. She had the aux, it seemed like, for most of the time at practice. Um, great music taste. I just oh, think okay. that... okay. Hold on. We got, I got to hear some of what Z was putting on. I know we're, we're wrapping things up, but I needed to know about this. Oh, I just know that one of her favorite artists is uh, Tame Impala. And Ooh. I'm like, okay, I didn't see that come like that. Right? Like, yeah, that feels like very... For, for somebody of her that's, yeah. that's some mature shit to put. All right. I'm done. Yeah, that. no, but I mean, like, I think she really fits in with the culture. And she would take on more of a leadership role next year, too, if, like, Candace doesn't come back, let's just say. But as for predictions, I do think Candace comes back. And I think that Azari could come back as well. So just, like, those, like, a little blend of the future and a little blend, again, a little blend of the future and um, the short term. I do think that it's really important to keep Azari Stevens in the fold. So I would say, especially for this free agency period, as the thesis of this podcast just... She is definitely the most key for excluding the other four. But Chris, shocker, we went long. Um, <laughs> any other thoughts before we wrap up the podcast? No, I think it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a hairy off season. Um, I mean, the, the off season's been started, right? But the January moratorium begins uh, in five days, the fifteenth to the end of the month. And then the, the the door to the saloon opens for teams to start throwing those contract offers and offer sheets out there at the tail end of January. So if you're not following the Skyhook already, if somebody's just shot you this podcast and you're listening on your ride home, subscribe, please. Subscribe to the show. Um, be on the lookout because we're going to ramp up our coverage from here now until the champions crowned at the end of the year. So you won't be able to get away from us reasonably. So you should might as well just subscribe now. It's going to be hot. Very excited for February 1st, Mr. Chris Pennett, which we'll reveal at a later date, but Woo! we got some things coming. Popping. Yeah. So excited. So excited. But again, thank you all for tuning into the show. Again, you can find us in the episode description we have our link tree there we have our mailbag and i believe i, I forget all, what else we throw in there honestly it's just there's a lot of pe info packed in there so <laughs> if you want to reach out to us hit us up at our mailbag or on social media we're back on instagram i'm excited to now that we have some more financial flexibility again thank god for february 1st um that we can be a little bit more consistent with that. So very excited to what is to come qualifying offers, Chris tomorrow, they can be offered and accepted. So let's see how much of this podcast could be up outdated 
Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but really, thank you all for listening to the show and until next time.